I suppose what we should do is we should explain just to the listeners that we're sitting here on a Sunday night recording this podcast because <laughs> I'm a complete donut. And we said Friday the 13th, didn't we? Oh, no. no I can't <laughs> believe we had this whole conversation, which we might have again, about superstitions. And then I go to check my audio after we've recorded. And it was it was a bloody good chat we had on Friday. Yeah. And for some reason or another, my swanky road podcaster microphone hadn't been the one that the Mac had recorded with and it was system audio which on the laptop sounded bloody terrible so yeah we're doing this again so thank you I should say thank you to you Sean Johnson for taking another half hour 40 minutes that's no problem on your Sunday <laughs> Liz and I do it all the time. We we record, and you think you know we're approaching our thirtieth show, and whenever it's Liz and I, two or three recordings is the norm. <laughs> well, she's going to be on this show again. Uh, I think it's beginning the third of February. Okay, she's going to be on. I reckon she's she's probably got a Delia Smith cookbook in her hand right this minute. <laughs> Reading how to plumper turkeys. I mustn't say anything nasty about Delia Smith because I'm sure I'll get letters again. <laughs> so yeah, so this is going to be on the show, and you know, we're going to we're doing something a bit different this week, aren't we, with podcasts? Yeah, because as it's coming up to Christmas, and, and you see now, now the pressure's on for me to like edit the show and get it out for Monday, which would have completely <laughs> screwed up if I hadn't have done. But hopefully, this will be out on Monday, and we're starting off you, me and a bunch of others, on a whole week of British podcasting crossover episodes. It's quite good. Yeah. We're going to look back at the, the, the year, um, maybe what Father Christmas is going to bring. It's got ups and downs, basically. Downs and ups yeah. Yeah. of the year 2013. Um, so it's us today, that's Monday. Um, then it's your show, isn't it? Uh, Tuesday, The Freelance Web. Yeah, I speak to uh, Keir Whitaker. Uh, that's all, that's all recorded <laughs> and, uh, ready. That's, that's already scheduled to go out, uh, on, on Tuesday. So fingers crossed. <laughs> and then Wednesday is Beyond Ink with Rachel Shawcock and she's talking to Liz, I believe. So I bet that one's already in the bag because they're really organized. Uh, Thursday, it's whatever Keir and Kieran's podcast's called. Cause I can't remember. <laughs> the Back to Front oh, show. Is that what it is? They like your show better than ours. And, <laughs> And then Friday, it finishes up with uh, the one and only Boag World, with special guests me and uh, and Sarah Parmenter, if she's back from America. Have you been to a conference in the States yet? No. I really wanted to go to Brooklyn Beta, but it, it just wasn't going to happen. So hopefully um, it will happen again and I'll get to go. But uh, no, I, I haven't uh, left the British shores yet in, in terms of conferences. Yeah, I haven't. I never went to a, a Brooklyn Beta. Um, was this supposed to be the last one? This one that's just gone. Um, I don't. Do you know what? Because uh, was handheld meant to be the last one as well? Recently, uh, yes. I keep hearing everything. Oh, oh, that was the last one, or it's the last one of this, last one of that, and I, I lose count of what's what. But I, 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 I don't know if I've heard rumours that it's the last one or not, or if I don't, I, I don't know. But um, from what I've heard of it, it's it's a pretty fantastic conference. Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd certainly like to experience it. Yeah, the one thing that I'd say you should try and get to if you get a chance is an event apart. Mm. Because, you know, I've been to a lot of conferences and, you know, and, and everyone's got its own unique kind of flavour because, you know, they're all organised by different people. But there is something quite special about an event apart that's different. Um, and if you can tie it in to, you know, maybe taking a week or something, take the, take the family, you know, 
and uh, yeah. and do some kind of wee holiday around it. It's well worth it. We're gonna do. We're gonna go to Atlanta in February. Um, cool. And then we're gonna do like a little, I don't know, two week drive around. We'll go down to uh, southern Georgia because um, apparently there's some really beautiful historic places, uh, like um, pre Civil War places, that are still pretty much untouched down there. Uh, Savannah and Charleston, I think, are supposed to be absolutely beautiful. So we're just going to go and uh, just hire a car and have a drive around because it'll be February, but it, it'll be a, it'll be warmer than it is here. And apparently, I got a tweet from uh, oh god, I forget who it was now, um, Twitter guy the other day, telling me that Atlanta's got this amazing zoo, and they've got what three? I think it looked like from the website gorilla communities there. They've got a lot of gorillas. You should go. You should try and get over there if you get the chance. Yeah, definitely. I do. I do like America, and and um, I've got I've got plans to to take the kids when they're a little bit older to do I don't know something like Route sixty six and sort of stop in those old school um, motels if there's any left, and you know eating roadside diners and that kind of thing. But it's a little bit too young yet. But how old uh, are they? I was envious. Uh, well, um, my daughter's seven, and the youngest one, Harley's, is uh, f- four in um, February. So just another couple of years i think then they'll really start appreciating it but yeah maybe maybe for the for the little one because we've done a couple of road trips now and the first time we did it we realized that to us anyway it's like the perfect holiday and it's really not that hard to do it with kids because you're traveling you know with everything with you so you know if you want to pull over and they want to get a game or you know you'll make a cup of tea or something (laughs) everything's there you're like a bloody tortoise you know you've got everything with you and it's great and you know they can't you you shouldn't encourage them to kind of you know get up and dance around you know when when you're on the move but you know they can move around it's not like you know you're strapped in with a seatbelt for eight hours a day we just had such a brilliant time every time we've done it and it's just such a great thing to do with kids uh we had an email question here from Nick Thornley, who was asking about payment terms. He was asking, here, I've got this email. Both yourself and Sean have talked about having strict payment terms, i.e. a third at the start, a third after design sign-off, and a third on upload or release of files. I totally agree with this, but as a lot of listeners are freelancers, uh, many will accept payment after completion, and hence, can you enforce these good practices but not lose business in the process, or... How do you stop another freelancer from taking your work based on their more relaxed payment terms? How do you do things now? Because I remember you talking quite a lot on the freelance web about value pricing. So did that kind of make you reevaluate your payment terms or part of all of that? Um, I've always been looking at ways of increasing my pricing. When I first went freelance, um, as I've, I've said on our show a couple of times, I, um, I felt, and I was probably, to be honest, I was probably guilty of creating this kind of stigma that is attached to freelancers uh, or this perception by many um, that freelancers are you know young kids working out their bedroom for peanuts <laughs> because you know I used to hire freelancers for jobs and we'd always try and um not so much me personally but the company really we're trying to get them for as little as possible demand the highest standard of work and then sort of resell on a out normal agency rate and i kind of felt a little bit that i was going into that um and, and i had to compete with them so you know i started freelancing with a ridiculously low fee you know some <laughs> when i first went freelance back in 2003 ish 
um, I was charging about fifteen pounds an hour. You know, yet I was earning, <laughs> I was earning twenty five grand plus as a as a sort of web designer. So I don't know. I just I just kind of felt that's where I needed to be. And this time around, you know, even two thousand and ten, um, which is, and I've still I'm still freelancing. From from that point, I was charging. I started off at about twenty five pounds an hour, but very quickly realised actually, no, that this is wrong, <laughs> uh, and kind of. So my, I, I've been very conscious about pushing my price up, not too dramatically to scare away what clients I had, or you know, um, yeah. So when when I heard about value prices, I thought, yeah, that that, that makes sense to me because. There's a lot of skill and, and value in what we do that other people just simply haven't got. And okay, yeah, you can perhaps go and buy a, you know, build it yourself website for you know, a dollar a month or something ridiculous. And you can get a free website in some place. Well, that versus somebody with our skill, then, you know, it just doesn't compare. So, um, I've liked the idea of value pricing. I'm yet to sort of move over to it, um, properly, um, uh, but I'm starting to add value into i still charge by the hour so i'm starting to add value into that in terms of yeah the third up front third after design sign off and third on finish of project whether that's upload or release of file that's what i did do and that's what i have done until recently the third the that sort of third in the middle of a design sign off i struggled for a little while because yes we used to get a design sign off and then go and build it the old sort of waterfall technique um but now things are a lot more agile and i think obviously we're kind of i think uh, you know uh, certainly that a lot of the people that i know that i talk to how they work we're kind of a lot more organic there isn't really a design sign off point halfway through the process anymore so it's um i struggled for a long time of where to put that third payment so i tended to kind of just sort of say okay well this project's going to take what two months to do or four weeks or whatever and say okay well i'll take 50 percent up front or a third up front depending on the value of the project then maybe um the other third or the other interim payment sort of in the middle of that time scale so two weeks later and then the the final payment at the end but things like content being delayed coming from the client and uh, various you know the to and fro and you send the designer or you send something you stuff over to get feedback on from the client that's not very forthcoming and so that those end payments that you originally scheduled in kind of get pulled out you know t- to date that that's still been a bit of a problem what we used to do um because we always charged i think no we just we just used to to charge a third at the beginning but we, we shifted it to 50 percent we'd charge a certain amount on signing basically so you know you get the contract signed we'd expect a down payment with that and then we'd charge something again another increment on 30 days and then another increment on 60 days if the project was still carrying on and you know, that would leave us generally with about 10 percent i think 10 percent at the very end which i quite like the idea of because it meant that most of the work that we'd done up until that point had been paid for you know we we're only kind of exposed by 10 percent so it wasn't as if you know we charged deposit and then you know the rest on completion and we were 50 percent exposed we were only ever 10 percent exposed yeah that seemed to work okay when we didn't have clearly defined deadlines. A little bit like you say, where you know you, you kick off a project, but the client might be a little bit slow in delivering content, or you know they might go on holiday or something like that. There's always stuff that gets in the way. Hmm. And if there's no kind of definable end point, which you know I know people have deadlines, but often, <laughs> often it's finished when it's finished. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We could find ourselves having done an incredible amount of work. 
and still be, you know, I think maybe it was just the, the content that we're waiting for at the very end, but be 50% out of pocket. So mm. that's why we introduced that kind of incremental thing. That we, we stopped doing that when we, when we moved over to weekly working. And now we're only ever exposed by a week maximum, really, because we ask people to pay a week, a week up front. And sometimes it might take them a little bit of time to process the payment or something like that. So we're only ever generally a week out of pocket. And if it looks like, you know, we might start rolling into another week and we haven't been paid for the one that we've done, well, you know, there's, there's alarm bells there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember you first said when I first heard you talking about your sort of charging for a week up front and working. I, 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 I like that. I like that idea. And I kind of, I, I've been waiting for an opportunity to get that into you know, try, you know, try and inject that into how I work because a lot of the websites I've worked on previously have been. You know, they perhaps take me about a week. So that's based on my daily rate. It's probably about 1500 quid, two grand a week. So I could happily charge it up front, but that, okay, it might be a week's worth of work, but by the time I've, you know, we've had a bit of backwards and forwards with a client and, you know, got the content together and all the, and, and to get that, that week gets stretched out over you know, four, six, eight weeks plus. So it's, it's kind of, and, and if I took the sort of, let's say I took two grand off the client up front and then that delayed process, by the time I'm getting to the end of that, maybe eight weeks plus later, I'm then, the money I received was so long ago, it's kind of, I'm still working here and it kind of doesn't feel right. I like, yeah, I'd like to be in a position where I could take, take two grand for that week. And then work solidly on that client. Yeah. And then move on to the next bit. But the, I don't know. My projects haven't quite been big enough for that because I could say, I mean, or I haven't had, if I can get all the content from the client on, on that Monday of that week and then great. And I could get it done. And, you know, in, and the client can assure me their time so we can sort of either sit with each other or, um, or, you know, that they're on the end of the phone if I need to speak to them and we can discuss the thing during that week process. Then, then perfect. Um, but I'm still. You know, it's it, it's hard because there is no right or wrong way, is there? No, there's not. And I'm mean, just thinking about this little project that we're going to do in January. You know, this have I told you about this? The one that I'm going to do that's going to send me to Baghdad. Ah, no, I've heard about this. <laughs> yeah, because I heard you talking about your visa or something. You were looking at stuff. Yeah, no, I've heard. No, I haven't heard a great deal about I it. I was I was scared myself. No, we're doing a really lovely project in January. It's only short, and a lot of it's pro bono because I just I got sold on the story basically. But it's a musical foundation, and what they do is they support musicians in what well, economically disadvantaged countries but also in war-torn countries as well because one of the first things that goes is music often you know musical culture mm. so if you think about places like iraq people don't get together to to play music when you know when when things like that happens a lot of the people that teach music compose or conduct flee abroad so it's one of the first things that disappears and that and this foundation they help to you know get things moving again and we're just going to do a little job for them. Cool. Anyway, this particular job I know is going to take about two and a bit weeks. You know, the first week is going to be designing and rebranding, and we're going to do a lot of that kind of, I don't know, content thinking, but also design thinking as well, because there'll be new graphic design that's needed for this kind of thing. So I'm not really going to ask the client for anything much up front. I want to kind of introduce them to the process during that first week. And then, then I'll schedule a gap, probably one or two weeks, and I'll make sure that they know 
what we're going to be doing in that second week, which is likely going to be page layouts, a lot more work on content, you know, information structure, that kind of thing. So hopefully they'll have all of that stuff in over the two weeks lead up to me then starting again. And then, you know, a week after that, we'll build a thing and perch or something. And that's that's how I tend to do it. Now I'll schedule the weeks, but I'll keep a little gap between them just to allow time for people to get that stuff together. And if it's in the diary, yeah. then they'll know that, hang on a minute, I have to get this stuff by, you know, a week on Tuesday. So yeah, that, that, that tends to work. I'm telling you what though, I've never, I've never, based on Nick's question here, how do I stop another freelancer taking work based on relaxed payment terms? That's never happened to me. No, no. I've lost, I've lost plenty of jobs on, you know, a freelancer going to do it for a grand cheaper than me or whatever. <laughs> that, that happens quite a lot of the time. But yeah, no, never for the fact that they've got more relaxed payment terms than me. And to be honest, I think if that's the, the clincher for them, I perhaps wouldn't have wanted to work with them anyway. No, no, you're right. I remember an old friend of mine who was a brilliant salesman and he influenced me a lot in terms of how I deal with things. And I remember him saying that, yes, I mean, price is important, but what you want to do is you want to make sure that the person you're selling to wants to buy what you're selling first. Yeah. And actually, and if I'm going to say to you, listen, Sean, you know, do, do, do we want to work together on this website? Is, is what's the issue? You know, what do we need to iron out to st- stopping us from working together? If we can agree that actually we do want to do the job together, if I think that you're the best person to, you know, help me build this website, then actually, fine, we've done that. We've agreed that that can be ticked down. What we need mm. to do is we need to earn the price now. And, you know, yeah. that's a respectful kind of part of the negotiation. Um, and if somebody's just basically, you know, typical thing, how much for a website? Oh, well, that, as, as I tweeted the other day, actually, I had a guy on the phone saying that he, want, he, he, was a, um, he wanted a website that was better than British Telecom, BT, BT and Talk Talk. Um, how much was that going to be? Mm-hmm. And I said to him, you know, our, 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 our projects start usually at around £5,000. And he, he coughed and said, I think that's... <laughs> That's a zero too many. Well, you know, you're not going to be getting off on the right foot, are you? Yeah, I saw that. It's uh, made me chuckle. Listen, before we get into talking about what we should be talking about today, get the sponsor out of the way. Not that I really want to get them out of the way because they're brilliant, but uh, it's Perch, which is our favourite little content management system now. We like it a lot because it's designed to help people like us, you and me, develop smaller sites really quickly and a lot more profitably. And I can testify to that because we're using Perch as our CMS of choice now. And when we use it, we're just developing sites a hell of a lot faster than we ever did before. And, you know, sometimes like this little, um, like the foundation project I was talking about a minute ago, the the whole Mm. Iraqi thing, you know, I estimate that that's only going to take us, you know, a day or two to actually get the CMS part of that up and running, you know, which is sometimes it takes less than that. So one of the most important things to us anyway is when we design using code a lot, we like to take as much of that code as we can straight into the CMS. Perch gives us complete control over the design and also about the HTML markup as well. There isn't any built-in template markup that we have to battle with. All of the defaults for modules like blog entries, etc., they're so well written that they even use microformats in there, which you know makes me smile every time I see that. You know, most of the time you just don't have to change the HTML, which is brilliant. That means that you can use Perch to manage content on everything from a new HTML5 based responsive site design through to maybe retrofitting a CMS to a, a crufty kind of table-based site. I don't know. We never do that, but it's flexible enough to. Perch is self-hosted, so you upload it to your own server along with a site, and there isn't an ongoing service charge, which is great. A license for Perch costs just £50 or US$79 per site, and all the add-ons, the blog, events, uh, image gallery, PayPal shop, members functionality, all those things that you need for a site, they're all free. 
And there's there's a podcasting add-on now too. And I think I'm I don't know whether I'm going to shift the show site over to it, but I'm certainly going to have a play with that module over the Christmas break, just so that you know I know what I'm talking about. If you've been thinking about giving Perch a try, now's a really really good time. They're running a special deal of fifty percent off. For web designer developers who want to try out Perch on their own agency or freelance portfolio site for the first time. So if you're interested in that, which you damn well should be, go to... Well, I am. Go, go, go. Yeah, you should. <laughs> go to grabaperch.com slash unfinished and find out more. Yeah, no, I, I first saw Perch, um, I don't know what, three, probably three years ago now or so, um, and and sort of always wanted to try it on a small, you know, one of those little sort of five page websites that didn't need, you know, I've, I've been a WordPress man since, you know, since way back when. Um, but it's, it, it, that it's a bit too much sometimes for those little sites. Um, but I haven't really had the opportunity to use it, but now I've, what I've seen now of, um, it, it, it's, it, with all the add-ons and things that you can, you can bolt onto it. It's actually quite powerful. So what we should do really again, <laughs> <laughs> oh god i'm so embarrassed talk about our ups and downs for this year start with the downs really and then we can end on a, a positive note yeah and as this is unfinished business we should talk about business and work ups and downs i suppose not that you know most of this show is about business because most of it's about tea or apes or soap on a rope <laughs> we had that discussion at the weekend actually we were in we we're only in, we just stayed over in a cheap premiere inn um and we were talking about how you don't get soap anymore it's all these squirty things on the wall <laughs> and i said there's a podcast you should listen to <laughs> there's a podcast entirely about that <laughs> oh, no, it drives you nuts <laughs> <laughs> the stuff that, yeah, no, no, no I'm not even going to start talking about decaf coffee as well. Because the other thing you'll notice about, because <laughs> I can't have caffeine anymore since I quit smoking. I just can't have caffeine. It, it, it's like crack or something to me now. It yeah. just makes me completely frenzied. So I'm on the decaf coffee. And why is it in Premier Inns and the like that they only ever give you two sachets of coffee? Those little kind of thin blue Nescafes or something. And there's, yeah. if there's, Decaf at all, there's only ever one. It just drives me nuts. Just <laughs> I take my take my own tea bags now. I've started taking an AeroPress with me as well for my coffee. <laughs> Sue bought me a kettle. She bought me a travel kettle for my birthday last <laughs> year. Yeah, I take that everywhere as well because, you know, you never know what somebody's done it with a kettle either. Do you? <laughs> I mean, we digress from the ups and downs because nothing <laughs> bad has actually happened to me regarding the kettle. But we just take it for granted, don't we, that you yeah, can true, fill it true. up with water and make a cup of tea. And I don't know, I'm not getting into obsessive compulsive cleaning tech. I'm on Amazon now <laughs> looking for a travel kettle. <laughs> So yeah, so yeah, we're not we won't talk about superstitions because obviously Friday the thirteenth came true and I completely stuffed up the recording. <laughs> <laughs> but what were your what were your downs for the year? I think overall I've had a fantastic year. So in in terms of plural, there's not really many. Um, the biggest down I think would probably be what I've sort of shared recently on our show about, um, you know, the last couple of months for me, um, I've been in a little bit of turmoil, not, not knowing where to, you know, where to position myself, um, almost sort of feeling a little bit pressured into specialising. And, um, I'll just roll the clock back a bit. I mean, throughout the year, um, obviously I sort of, you know, I work as hard as I can do, um, 
and then come summertime, I tend to sort of switch off. So, you know, the kids are off school, I work from home, the chance of me getting much work done are pretty slim. And then obviously tend to get back into working. Well, I've had a few sort of side projects on the go and, um, I've been sort of working on them since the summer holidays, which is sort of September time, um, in the UK. So I've kind of not had much client work for, my dilemma to get in the way of but basically um when i first went freelance 2010 this time around i kind of i positioned myself as a jack of all trades you know i, I offered obviously web design because that's what i've been doing mainly for the last sort of 15 years or so um but yeah, coming from a graphics background i offered you know, the branding the graphic design and uh, illustration all that kind of stuff even online marketing stuff a bit of seo and all that kind of thing and did all right but then sort of rebranded myself at the beginning of this year as just me rather than a company name um i, I just it just I felt that I should be specialising and I sort of, you know, whittled it down to, you know, I was a freelance web and UI designer and I offered a bit of branding stuff if, if need be on certain clients, on certain jobs, but pretty much positioned myself there. And throughout the whole year, yeah, I had, I had work on, but then come, come the summer, I just, I don't know, I didn't feel that happy about where I was and what I was doing. And I went to the Reasons to Be Creative conference in Brighton. Um, and it's it's not just a web conference. So they've got illustrators there and they've got, um, I mean, Stefan Sagmeister did a, a talk and Eric Speakerman. So, you know, type design and right across the board, creative stuff. John Bergerman spoke as well, didn't John he? John Berg, oh yeah, he's incredible. He did a doodle in a notebook for me, for my little girl. <laughs> he's, he's such a cool dude. Anyway, so yeah, I, I came away from that totally inspired to you know uh watching stefan sugmeister talk about uh videos that uh, itv uh sorry ident tv idents for uh, mtv and um you know all this kind of full multimedia stuff that they're doing i thought i want to have a go at all this kind of stuff and i want to be paid for doing you know if i get paid for doing all this kind of cool stuff like pretty much how i felt when i started doing web design back in you know the late 90s so i sort of okay well everyone's telling me I should be a specialist and I feel like I should be a specialist, but I don't want to be. And so I've been in proper turmoil over that for the last sort of couple of months. And, you know, it really, really got me down. And luckily, because I didn't have the client weren't there, I think it didn't affect me and the, in terms of the business at all. So um that, that was, I wouldn't say I was um sort of borderline self-harming, but it, 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 it really sort of, I had to dig deep to find out, you know, what I, what I really needed to do and, and doing the show, um, and talking to Liz, you know, Liz turned it around. She asked, she, she asked the question, why, what, you know, who do you feel you should be specializing in for? And actually thought, no, it's, it's, it's me. I, it's, it's my career and it's what I want. I'm, you know, we're freelancers because, you know, we want the freedom to do what we want to do. So, you know, and kind of, I'm all right now. <laughs> my career has been about change, really you know, since, yeah. since I left uni. Because, you know, I went to art school thinking that I was going to be a great painter and I wasn't there very long before I realised I was a terrible painter. So I ended up doing other things. And I went on this path through uh, photography, you know, proper photography, film photography, through uh, to what was then digital photography right in the early days. Back through, uh, you know, when Max first arrived and, you know, desktop publishing revolution, that kind of thing. Back through that to the creative stuff and that led to the web and, you know, and here we are. And I would hate to think that this is the last thing I'm ever going to do. I mean, yeah. you know, even even with my advancing years. 
<laughs> I would hate to think that I'm not going to do anything else, that there's not anything that I can kind of turn my hand to next. And just the idea that you kind of get fixed on something, you specialise on something, and, you know, that's you. You know, that's what you get known for, and that's what you get asked to do most of the time. You know, I was thinking about Harry Roberts as well, gave a talk about typography, and everyone was like, but aren't you the CSS architect? <laughs> yeah. Guy? And actually, you know, it was a really, really interesting talk. And... I would hate to think that, you know, you just get stereotyped, typecast in a way, yeah, in, yeah. in that kind of thing. So I think, I think it's fine. And I think, you know, reinventing yourself is, that, like you say, it's part of having that freedom to do what we want to do. Dan Rubin did a talk at uh, Dibby back in October, uh, and he told the story of a, a ballet friend of his who from a very early age um went off into ballet and and was very successful but then just sort of suddenly thought ah i don't want to do this and went and got a job i can't remember a solicitor or, or something like that um and then sort of a few years later realized actually no this this isn't this doesn't feel right and went back into ballet and she almost had to come away from it to realize actually no that is where i wanted to be and i think that's probably what happened to me you know i've i've been happy doing a free i've always been a a jack of all trades you know I've, when i was at school 14 15 years old you know you don't know what you want to do but I mean, you, you talk about oh yeah i want to be an astronaut or whatever but nobody knows what they really want to do at school you're, you're too young um okay well, what lessons i'm going to do well at the time hip-hop had broke in the uk um sort of you know 84 85 and everyone everyone i know was either into the music they were breakdancing or they were doing graffiti well i couldn't bloody breakdance so i got into the graffiti and that was a time when i started picking what subjects i was going to do so okay well i'll do art and design so that's where that kind of started but i also i'm also into music i dj occasionally i make a bit of music and stuff well that's because i also got into the music and i started listening to how the hip-hop music was made up of kind of the little sort of break beats they call the little snippets of the old disco and funk track so i really got into disco and funk well that became house music you know, and it's kind of, so these two things have sort of taken me along. Well, that's quite a diverse range of things to be into. And then as my career's progressed, I've sort of done a little bit of everything and enjoy doing those, those things. And like you say, the change, you know, having the diversity there and, and then learning something new and, you know, that's, that's what I'm all about. So I think I needed to perhaps be pressured into being a specialist for a little while <laughs> and realized it wasn't for me. And now I'm, I'm, I'm on track now and I'm flying and, you know, I'm now working on getting my website in order, which I think I'm going to try perch for to, you know, just, um, but, but, you know, I, I'm, I know where I'm going now and I think things are just, well, you know, we'll talk about the way things are going, but now I'm just sort of, I'm, literally flying no it's, it's it's good to to do that i mean i you know when you do something for a fairly long period of time you're gonna have your ups and downs and yeah. you know when i have downs usually i i, I go write books <laughs> Sue, <laughs> Sue always says um, you know if you only write books when you have a nervous breakdown and so every time i i sort of raise the issue of you know i raise the idea of, oh i could write a book about that you know i could write a book about ling's cars she looks looks at me and she went are you okay <laughs> <laughs> oh dear now we we started off the year with um with a bit of bad news because i for the last couple of years i've done some fairly long contracts so i was working for stv scottish telly up in glasgow doing a lot of their creative stuff and i was there for one week a month for oh well over 12 months and that was uh -huh. really nice and then i got into working on a government project 
which well, I mean, I'm not going to talk about, but it wasn't it wasn't my happy place. But it was two weeks a month, and they were paying top top rate. So mm. I was very happy about that. I only had one week a month where I had to fill somehow, and sometimes I could take you know take the week off. Sometimes I could fill it with another client project, something like that. So we thought, okay, business is kind of you know rolling along quite nicely. Thank you very much. And there wasn't any real sign that these things were going to finish. So back in November last year, that's when we started talking to Sue, our new designer. I say new, she's been here a year now, almost. Wow. And we started talking to her because I thought, well, I mean, maybe if I'm off doing some of these bigger projects, then she can be dealing with some of the stuff that I'm obviously not doing because I'm working for, you know, Accenture or Scottish Telly, something like that. And so, you know, we made that. And it was, she's our first employee. So it was a bit of a, a leap of faith, really. Never, never had stuff, never had an employee, apart from, you know, just the two of us. So... We did that, and then literally first week in January, both of those contracts got canned, which, to be honest, was a bit of a shock. Because you think, bloody hell, you know, that's, that's a serious chunk of cash that, yeah. you know, that we haven't got all of a sudden. So that, wasn't, that, that, was, that was a bit of a rude awakening to the start of the year. Cause I, yeah, I bet. Yeah. With the new employee as well. well exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I'm a bit superstitious, and I was a bit... Well, you know, sort of a feeling of dread, really, going into 2013, thinking, you know, oh, God, it's that 13 thing. Not just Friday the 13th, but like a whole year <laughs> of bad luck this could be. And, you know, first, second week in January, boom. That, I was like, oh, no, is this how it's going to go? <laughs> so that was that was the start of it. And I think because of that a little and some of the legacy from that and because of because Sue's been doing a lot of the designing this year, I've been left writing a lot more code than I ever wanted to. So that's something that we've got to work out because, you know, I did get to the stage back in kind of September, October, where I was thinking, God, if I see another bloody style sheet, I'm going to want to climb the walls. Because <laughs> a lot of the stuff that I've been doing, you know, some of the bigger projects that we've had on this year, you know, some of the WIPO stuff, you know, they'd start off being design projects, but then because we were doing this whole kind of, you know, atmosphere design stuff, you know, building pattern libraries and building toolkits and things like that, before too long, they ended up being much more of a developer's job. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a developer. I'm hoping hopeless with, with a lot of stuff you know i don't have that kind of developery or programmy brain like harry does you know no no I mean, he wrote a blog post a couple of weeks ago uh about how the only thing he ever uses on the mac is chrome and the terminal it's like he was even writing his <laughs> blog post from the terminal committing to github and then posting to his website i'm thinking wow. what the hell are you talking about so you know, i just don't do that so that's another thing that we want to work on this year is uh, is getting that better um, and then yeah the, the other thing that happened was we got a well we're going to get a massive tax bill because you know when you work from home you don't your overheads aren't high no and if you have a good year like we ended up actually having a very good year because I was thinking, oh, blimey, we're not doing these big contracts anymore. You know, we're doing a lot more smaller projects. You know, it felt a little bit bitty. Yeah. And I don't keep a close eye on, on how the finances go. So I was thinking, maybe we didn't do so well. Um, actually, we ended up doing pretty good. But I learned from the accountant a couple of weeks ago that, you know, what we're about to pay in as a corporation tax bill could have paid for, a, you know, a long way towards the, the cost of a developer. Which would have bloody mm. well stopped me from writing code the whole year. <laughs> so it actually, it made me think. It made me think about because I'm usually pretty frugal about stuff. You know, I think, oh, well, should I get a developer to do that? You know, should I get one of the guys to, to work on this bit? And I go, no, crap, it'll only take me a couple of hours. Well, invariably, it doesn't. Invariably, it takes, you know, like half a day. And, you know, now, now having realized that, I'm going to go, no, screw that. I'm going to send it out. I'm going to put the work out. So that's, that's taught me a lot, actually. I'm going to be a bit more serious about that this year. 
Ups, though, I, I don't know about you, but I've absolutely loved doing a podcast. Yeah, I have. I, we, we started it and we had no idea. I mean, basically, I, I've kind of, I, I didn't realize what I was doing until sort of Liz said on our first few shows, but she basically saw me as a bit of a mentor. Well, I, I was having a chat with Liz and sort of had this idea. Oh, I want to, I want to kind of do something. Um, was it your idea or was it Liz's idea? It was originally, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do because I came away from, um, Collie's, um, new adventures conference, um, at the beginning of the year, just so inspired to have a side project yeah um there was a, a lot of great uh, talks there but jessica hish's talk about procrustal working i don't know if you've seen that or heard much about it i've but heard about it yeah just having something to switch away from work you know instead of bumming it away doing nothing but actually you know, sort of um you know, switch away from work but do something or something you love and i wanted to do so so i was having a chat with liz about it and said oh yeah i quite fancy a podcast you know doing something what would we talk about um and so we kind of decided on just sharing what we'd been talking about really so i had no idea of what he was going to do and when we we finally got our act together and and i think our first show didn't go out till god towards the end of may <laughs> um we uh we were kind of well what's, what's going to happen and you know very quickly it was we started realizing actually there's people listening to this <laughs> but had no idea of what it was going to do there was no sort of um we had no agenda behind it you know we didn't want to get rich or famous or we didn't want to you know people to suddenly sort of start you know, follow, you know shitload of people following us on twitter and stuff it, there was none of that behind it we just sort of thought you know, it was something to do but kind of you know my followers did start going up you know I, I started going to conferences and people would sort of like come up and introduce themselves and oh you know or start talking and so oh, yeah, yeah i listen to that and i'm like wow <laughs> and it kind of you know i, I was i'm a bit of a, an introvert really a lot of people don't sort of can't see it but i after sarah parmenta was talking a lot about myers-briggs tests and stuff and i thought okay i'll go and do it and um i came out in i can't remember the rest of it but i just remember being an introvert and i thought actually reading about it it, it makes a lot of sense you know i'm quite happy to go and sit somewhere i don't like socializing <laughs> very much I, I, I do i don't mind it but I don't, i'd rather be in my own company than you know in a group of like say 30 people or whatever so i was happy to go to a conference and stand in the corner between talks and just wait for the next one sipping coffee um, and always a little bit you always felt sort of out on the outside yeah and we we talked when we, you came on our third show and we talk, talked about that whole stigma with you know web celebs and you know them and us kind of thing but i did i did kind of put a lot of the the people i admired up on pedestals and it's almost like well, what can i say to them you know I, what do i say to this guy who I my what can you know I've got nothing to say <laughs> um so I just didn't put myself in that uncomfortable situation for myself well you know having people come up and having a conversation piece to talk about it just the conversation flowed so it's it's helped me really overcome that and and um as 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 I said already about this this little pickle I got myself into about specializing and now it's really pulled me around and talking to people and realizing how many other people have gone through th similar things and um yeah i think the biggest up for me this year has definitely been my that my show with with liz i really liked it i went to handheld you know, accidentally speaking there a couple of weeks ago and, and doing a workshop and you know i'm, I'm like you i'm not you know th there's a difference between being confident enough to get up on a stage and talk about something which you know i mm. am and being 
uh, extrovert, particularly in kind of social situations. And I'm really not good. I, I don't tend to go to lots of the after party stuff usually at yeah. these events because, you know, I should particularly, you know, find them very comfortable. This time I thought, right, okay, you know, I'm going to make an effort about this. Um, you know, we all went down there. And the number of people that would come up and actually talk about the podcast, which, I mean, I didn't think anybody listened. But so many people, that would be the thing that they kind of, oh, well, I heard you talk about this. And there was lots and lots of times when, you know, I'd be standing around the bar and people would say, well, you know, I heard you talking about something, whatever it was, you know, struggling with this. um, And this is what happened to me. And it's like, well, okay, it it really does. You know, hopefully it gives people a bit more of an understanding about, you know, who we are, you know, get to know you a bit better. But also it just sparks off so many conversations. I don't know, I just don't think you can do with a blog post, really. You know, it's not quite the same in a way. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah, so that was good. I've really enjoyed it. I've missed Anna, you know, over the last few weeks. But no, it's, it's been great. And it finishes off my week, usually. <laughs> not usually as late as this. It finish, normally finishes off my Friday, you know, with, 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 with a nice you know, sort of with a nice chat, which which I enjoy. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's been great. On the upside, I suppose, most definitely, um, having Sue as the designer here working with me has been brilliant. Yeah. Um, she's, you know, the character, the personality of the stuff that we've done has changed. And it's not it's not gone from being all mine to being all hers. It's this kind of nice, you know, nice mix, which I'm really enjoying looking at. You know, we've got a new portfolio and the stuff in there, you know, it's, it's a real combination of the two. And, and, and yeah. that, that I really like the look of. And, you know, I've, I've got my mojo back. I'm enthusiastic about the job again. I'm actually enthusiastic about speaking again. You know, I did a couple of little events uh, did a little event up in Scarborough and then did that insane event down at Handheld. <laughs> I've really enjoyed that. And I feel that I've actually got something to talk about now. Um, and the talk I did at Handheld was kind of an adaptation of something that I'd done before. And it's a talk without any slides. People really like that. They, they, they seem to like the format. So I'm actually planning on things that I've got coming up in the new year. I'm going to go to an event apart. And I'm actually thinking, Joe, I'm not going to use slides. Good. I'm looking forward, actually. You, you're, do, you're doing Milton Keynes mm. Geek Night in the, the proper a geek night not this all day thing they've hey, got going on are you are you going to the all day i'm going to both i'm going to go to both so i'll see i'll see you at uh, obviously the all day we'll have a we'll have a beer um but uh yeah now i'm looking forward to hearing you speak again because i haven't i don't think the last time i can't think the last time i saw you speak good good 18 months plus before handheld actually no before the scarborough one it was two and a half years since i'd done a talk in the uk so that was probably um, i know (laughs) quite a long time ago but it was funny actually because i was incredibly nervous about handheld i wasn't nervous so much in terms of the presentation because you know i am confident when it comes to getting up on stage i mean not overconfident i was still you know i was still wrecking it a bit because you know you've got to stand up in front of a lot of people but i was more i was more nervous about the content and how that would go down but I was also nervous about actually being in being in that kind of conference setting, really, um, because it had been such a long time. And because we went there and did the workshop a day earlier, and we, you know, met a lot of people that the night before, um, and then there was the night of the um, the kind of the main after party thing. I just felt at home, really. Uh, there was a lot of really nice people there that I haven't seen for a long time. It was just so nice to be able to, you know, see see people and talk to people. And yeah. yeah, to be honest, I really had my, not just at this event, but just generally, I've had my faith in people restored as well. I think yeah. that for me anyway, this year has been about getting rid of cynicism and becoming much more kind of well, optimism, really. It's, it's, that, yeah, it's, it's that thing that's, that's changed, really. And, you know, not just at handheld, but just generally, people have been 
just really lovely to you know to me this year and you know not just me you know the, the family and the business and everything else incredibly supportive and you know we've had so much love from friends in the industry and you know loads of people that that you meet um and some that you don't they it, it just really showed me that you know, for every person that's out there that wants to do you some harm, yeah. there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds that are just wanting to help. I don't think I realised that before. You know, I think I was a little bit cynical. I mean, and I think that, you know, maybe we've maybe we've kind of got rid of a lot of the cynicism that I think we saw in the industry, you know, maybe earlier on in the year. Um, I don't think I've noticed it so much over the last few months. I think there's been a lot more people being optimistic. Yeah, I th- generally, I mean, of a, on a, as an outsider, maybe looking in a bit and not being on the receiving end of a lot of this um, crap that's been going on lately with various people. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I've certainly seen an improvement um, in, in recent months. There certainly seems to be, people seem to be coming together more and moving in the right direction together. And I... I went to a little event. I just sat in the audience at this Shrewsbury event, Revolution or Shrop Geek. I oh yeah, never yeah. what they what they bloody call it. <laughs> and uh, anyway, lovely little, lovely little event. And Joel Hughes from Cardiff was doing a talk, and it was all about how not to be influenced by the negatives, you know, by negative people. Yeah, he was basically saying in, in the talk, you know, you, listen. One thing you've got to learn in life is you're not gonna please everybody. <laughs> And not everybody's going to like what you do or not like you. So you just have to kind of live with that fact. Yeah. And when you come to do something, be influenced by the good and not being influenced by the bad. And, you know, don't let negative thoughts or negative opinions stop you from doing what you want to do. And that really resonated with me, actually. I know not just me, but I know a lot of people that, you know, they want to express an opinion. You know, you want to write a blog post about something. And then you're thinking, oh, should I, should I probably start hovering over the publish button? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, worrying about what like, people are going to say. Are people going to like yeah. this or are people not going to like it? And you know, I just remember, you know, years and years and years ago when, you know, when I started writing about CSS and HTML um, and a lot of people were doing it at the same time, you know, kind of, you know, eight, nine years ago, we would write some tremendous crap. I mean, stuff <laughs> stuff that you do, you look back on now and you think, what was I thinking? I mean, some of it was good. You know, have you ever seen the Star Wars specificity chart? <laughs> I, yeah, it rings a bell. I explained CSS specificity with Stormtroopers and Darth Vader. Ah, uh-huh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> and actually, that wasn't a bad idea. But some of the stuff that I wrote about was just complete crap. Um because we were all yeah, learning. but it made sense at the time. It did, and we were all learning. And you know, you would get people that would know better than you that would actually. I mean, I remember when I wrote the blog post about the specificity chart. Uh, Eric Meyer, you know, wrote in a comment. You know, listen, you've actually got this completely wrong. You know, you you you're working these calculations out wrong, or you you explaining it in the wrong way. And there wasn't any kind of like, oh, what a dipshit. You yeah, know, it was it was all done in this kind of you know supporting way because we were all kind of you know learning at the same yeah, time. Yeah. Well, Eric obviously knows more about CSS than anybody on the planet, but <laughs> certainly a lot more than me. But it was it was a nice thing. We didn't mind making mistakes for fear of you know somebody calling you a barn pot. Yeah, um, and that kind of went away a little bit, I think. But 
the other the other thing was uh, Seth Godin was on Sarah's podcast, Sarah and Josh's Happy Monday. He was talking about how it's actually very generous to get up there and share what you know, you know, share your knowledge and share your experiences. And to, I think he said, stand by the work that you do without you know blaming somebody else for it when it goes wrong and you know that that's a very generous thing to do and that really resonated as well because i was thinking you know what you know don't be afraid of of doing stuff for for fear of what people might say because actually you know sharing you know even sharing mistakes you know sharing crappy ideas that's generous you know yeah absolutely yeah I think, you know, there's always going to be naysayers. You know, there always will be. There is in every industry. Um, I think if you can just, I think that there's, there's, there's plenty more people who will be supportive about what you do and what you, what you say. And, uh, and if you, yeah, if you do say something that's not quite right or you know, it, it, it's, it's part of the conversation and somebody joins in and suggests an alternative or whatever. And I think, yeah, if, 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 if you're getting off your ass and you're giving to the community, I know you don't like that word, but yeah, if you're giving back to the industry, then you know it, it's yeah, it's generous. And it's not about yeah, and it's not about you know, wanting fawning adoration or not accepting another opinion or anything like yeah. that. It's not about that at all. It's you know, it's just about respect, I think. And that's that's the thing that I've I've learned this year really is to kind of put that cynicism behind me. It was really funny. I, I have this long-standing disagreement with, with the lovely Jeremy Keith about whether or not we actually landed on the moon because I sincerely believe that we did not land on the moon. I think it was a, it was a hoax. And whenever I, whenever I express this opinion, Jeremy, who has completely the other opinion, he goes mad. Because you know, disrespectful to astronauts and you know all this kind of stuff, and actually we we had a bit of a Barney, um, you know, a good-natured Barney, I think, earlier on in the year about whether or not men went to the moon. And afterwards, it made me think because he said something, and I'm not going to go into it, but he said something, and I thought, you know what? The reason why you think it's a hoax is it's easier for me to believe in that it was a hoax. It's easier for me to be cynical than it is to accept what I'm being told. Yeah. And my cynicism was what was taking me down that road of thinking that, you know, it was a hoax. Actually, I still think it was a hoax, but hopefully I'm not quite as cynical. And that, that I was thinking, do you know what? You know, stop being cynical um, and be more optimistic. See the good in people, not just the, the negative stuff. And everybody be a bit, you know, put more, put better positive energy into the universe than, you know, sucking in negative energy. Yeah. I know it's, it's, it's an old hippie adage, but it's, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's, uh, it's part of Buddhism, isn't it? You, you treat people how you expect to be treated, you know, you sort of be nice to people and generally people be nice back. That does sound like a very woolly hippie attitude. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> I feel like I should be hugging a tree. People can follow you at Sean UK on Twitter or they can listen to the Freelance Web. Yeah. They should. To ask questions and suggest topics, they can message Unfinished Business here on Twitter at UnfinishedBZ or you can email me, he has at UnfinishedBZ. Thanks to our sponsors this week. Um, you can support our show by supporting Perch. 
And next week, it's the 50th anniversary episode, so I'll be joined by regular co-host Laura Cowbag. Don't forget to listen to all the Christmas crossover podcasts this week as well. 50th show, well done. I'm not sure if we're going to make it as I hope so, but <laughs> yeah, 50, that's gone quickly. Freelance Web on Tuesday, Beyond Ink Wednesday, Back to Front show, Keir's Weird Thing on Thursday, and, uh, <laughs> and Berg World on Friday. Listen, Sean, I can't say thank you enough for coming on again. No problem. And uh, I owe you enormous amounts of beer. <laughs> 